Welcome to the Come Follow Me podcast for teens and for parents of teens, a podcast to supplement your weekly study of the Come Follow Me curriculum with thoughts, ideas, principles, stories, and questions all geared towards helping teenagers better follow Christ through their teenage years. Welcome to another edition of the Come Follow Me for Teens podcast. I'm Josh Downs, and today's episode is episode four, John chapter one, We Have Found the Messiah. This is a great section, another great lesson full of so many great points and and truth and principles. Really, this particular section really is about how Christ begins to be found. And some of the key points you'll notice in going through and studying this particular chapter are all of the ways and the people in which he is found. Verses 38 and 39 of John 1, when asked by some of his disciples where he dwelt, where dwellest thou? His invitation is very simple and direct. It's come and see. And I love that. That is a great one. I would definitely encourage you to mark. He invites all of us, every single one of us, to find him, to come and see where he's at and get to know him better. Verses 40 through 41, Andrew finds his own brother Simon and then brings him to to Christ. In 43, Christ sees Philip and invites him to come follow me. Verse 45, Philip then finds Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him. One of the reasons that I just love this particular chapter and all these different experiences and ways in which people find Christ is that it really relates to all of us. Every single one of us has needed somebody to bring us to Christ. And when we kind of come to recognize that truth, I think it also helps us to recognize the role that we play, the important role that we play and have in helping bring others to Christ. In fact, of all the things that we could be doing in our lives, Heavenly Father has made it very clear that of the thing that will be of most worth to us is to bring souls to Him. Elder Cook once said that, I testify that the Lord expects us to bring souls into Him by inviting all men to come unto Christ and by so doing, find Him ourselves. It truly is the thing of the most worth unto you. I did a podcast episode not too long ago on my other podcast that was titled, What is Your Net Worth? where I kind of referenced the discussion that one of my daughters and I had on the way home, driving from home from school, when she asked, Dad, what is what is net worth? She had overheard a conversation about someone talking about another person's net worth, which net worth is basically how much money right we have, how, how much money we've accumulated versus uh, how much uh, debt that we have. That's kind of how you roughly estimate somebody's net worth. And you'll hear people like, Jeff Bezos of Amazon or Elon Musk, you know, of Tesla and how their net worth is is in the billions of dollars. And and so in the world we kind of use that as a measurement of success and even in some cases of personal worth. But yet the economies of heaven are very different than the economies of earth. And what is of net worth in heaven is very different than what is of net worth on earth. And one of the connections that I made is one of my favorite stories and miracles of Christ is when he called Peter and a few of the other apostles while they were fishing. And of course, performed the amazing miracle where he had Peter cast the net one more time after a long night of not catching anything to the side of the boat and then brought in so many fish that the net almost broke. 
And in that moment of Peter recognizing that there was very something very special about this person, the Savior invited him too to follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's what Christ can do. And really, that is what is of the most worth to us, not just in heaven, but in all eternity. And that particular miracle has caused me to look a little bit different uh, at the, the concept of net worth. Now I look at it not so much as how much money has have I netted together in my life, but how many people have I caught in my net in helping bring them to Christ? How many people have I served? Have I loved? Have I reached out to? Have I lifted and brought them closer to Christ? That's the kind of net that I want to imagine when I think of net worth. And so young people, you would be very wise to start at a young age accumulating not just money and savings for the future, but accumulating souls, people that you have brought to Christ, that you have helped them to know him better, that you have comforted, that you have supported, that you have lifted. That is what will be of most worth to you, not just here and now, but in eternity. It's just a great thought to try to keep things in perspective as we go through life. Now, the key principle that I want to focus on today comes from John chapter 1, verse 46, when as all these people are discovering Christ, one person asks in particular, when finding out and discovering that Christ came from the town of Nazareth, Nathaniel asked Philip, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? The reason being is that Nazareth was clearly not a very well thought of place, a very poor town. And it wasn't thought that much good ever came out of Nazareth. So when they heard that Christ had come out of Nazareth, that was the response. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, I love that statement. To which then Philip said, well, again, come and see. He didn't answer the question. He just invited him to come and see. But I, I love that thought. And that's what I wanted to spend just a, a little bit with you on today. The idea that can something good come out of something bad? Come and see. The reason being is because in life, we're all going to have moments where there are difficult things that happen to us. There are hard things. There are even bad things, right, that happen. And I think that's a question that will be very good and important for all of us to be able to ask and answer. Can anything good come out of this? Can something good come out of something bad? I learned the answer to this question for myself in a very powerful way. In the book of Jacob, in the parable and the allegory of the olive trees, where the master of the vineyard has noticed that several of his trees are dying and growing bad fruit. And so to save them, to save his vineyard, he takes the good parts that remain from the dying trees and replants them in different locations throughout the vineyard. He and his servant then, over the course of time, tend to them as best as they can and allow them to grow until the next harvest. And when the next harvest is ready, they then come back to evaluate the condition of the trees. And upon returning to the vineyard, they went and visited at one location to begin with where one of the young trees had been planted. And when they arrived, the servant asked the master a very interesting question. As he kind of took in this location where they planted the tree, he asked him, Master, why in the world, basically, did you plant a tree in this location? The ground was terrible. The conversation is recorded like this. How comest thou hither to plant this tree? For behold, it was the poorest spot in all the land of the vineyard. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto him, Counsel me not, for I knew it was a poor spot of ground. Yet I have nourished it this long time, and thou beholdest that it hath brought forth much fruit. 
Then he points out something else to the servant that the servant maybe didn't clearly see, and that was that he had planted another tree in another spot of ground that was even poorer than the first. But it had had the same result because he had nourished it for a long time. It had also grown all good fruit. The master then makes the observation about some of the other trees that they had planted in much better ground. The observation is that despite all of their efforts, these young trees that had been replanted in the very best spots of the vineyard, those spots that were the most fertile, had only partially grown good fruit and were now in danger of dying themselves. The message the master was trying to convey to the servant, and I believe to all of us through this parable and allegory, among other things, is that sometimes what is best for his trees isn't always what we think. That despite the terrible conditions that several of his trees were planted in, with the Lord's help, they still had grown to bring out the best fruit, even more so than the trees in the best circumstances. Can good things come from bad places and circumstances? The answer is yes. That is one of the central messages of Christ's life and mission. That's what he does, is he takes things in bad places and from bad places, and that are bad, and he makes them better. He makes them whole. He makes them complete. In the parable, the Lord of the vineyard is symbolic of, of course, the Lord. He is the master of the vineyard. He knows what he wants each of you to become. He knows the bad parts of life that you and I will be in and the hard things that we will go through. And can something good come from them? Yes, they can. When you are going through something hard, please remember those trees that were planted in the poorest spots of ground and how strong they became and how much fruit they produced. Maybe the Lord knows what he's doing in our lives and with the Lord's help, we too can grow stronger and produce more than had we been planted in better circumstances even maybe the best of circumstances. Regardless, he still invites all of us to come and see if that's true and if that's what he can do. I can tell you personally that he can. I found myself in a very poor spot of ground when going through divorce and a place that I never really wanted to be. And it was a very hard and difficult thing for me to experience. But I have seen how he has turned that into something good for me. He has helped me to grow from that. He has helped me to become stronger and better than I was before. And I know that he can do the same for you. So here's a couple key questions to journal and discuss. One, how have you seen the Lord take something that was bad in another's life and turn it into something good? Question two, how have you experienced this in your own life? How has he taken something bad that you were experiencing and helped you to learn from it, help you to grow from it, help turn it to good for you? Question three, when you are in a bad place or going through something hard, how will you follow the Savior's invitation to come and see if something good can come from something bad? The answers to those questions, if you take the time to answer them, will be a tremendous support for you when going through hard things. Let me give you a few application questions to consider on how you can apply these things into your life starting today. Question one, what will you do to help you remember this lesson the next time something gets hard? What is a reminder that you can create to help you trust God better through the hard times? Question two, who is someone you can help right now better find Christ 
in something hard that they're going through? How can, through your love, you better help them feel God's love and be brought to Him? And the last question is, who is it in your life that has helped bring you to Christ? And what would you like to tell them because of what they've done? One of my favorite quotes that really speaks to the heart of how we can bring people to Christ simply says, Live in such a way that people who know you but don't know Christ will want to know Christ because they know you. Now don't forget to look for those three things in your study this week that we talked about. Number one, how does this lesson bear testimony of Christ? We have countless examples of those that are testifying of who Christ is, that they have found him. Look for those, mark those. You'll see them everywhere. Also, any other principles to help guide your life. And lastly, the character traits of Christ. One of the things I think you'll see and notice is how patient Christ is with people, allowing them to come unto him at their own pace and their own time. He simply invited and waited. Follow me and come and see. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Let's take these things now and better go follow him. Until next time, I'm Josh Downs, and you've been listening to Come Follow Me for Teens.